entering the Freedom Hut. The only justice Trump can receive is through winning. Paint splattered on George Washington here in New York City. Is Mount Rushmore racist? They're coming for superheroes. Are coronavirus cases moving across the border? The NBA goes all in on woke and reopen the schools this fall. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Another day fighting against the insanity, the lunacy of the collective and collectivist left. Can you feel that panic rising? Oh, my gosh, everybody, start your freak-out engines right now. That's what the media wants you to do. They think we'll all be better off if you're constantly afraid, constantly scared. And yet, all you have to do is look at what's really happening across the country, and everything will seem manageable. Not perfect, not risk-free, but life has never been perfect and risk-free. How long did it take for us after 9-11 to finally feel like we weren't going to get hit with a mass casualty terrorist attack at any point in time, right? There was this huge national security apparatus that sprung up anew, not just the one that we already had, meant to prevent planes from getting blown out of the sky, crowded subways from being blown up. We lived with that for years and years. But, you know, we didn't shut down. And we got hit. And things, uh, things were definitely tense for a long time because of the threat of the global jihad is targeting our society and trying to destroy our civilization. But we won. You know, we never had a real victory dance after all this. We never took a moment to say, yeah, we won. And that doesn't mean that they won't come back. It doesn't mean that that's a fight that's over. But this round, we won. And I'm here to tell you that we're also going to win this fight against COVID-19. I'm here to say that I'm doing everything I can to deal with a very clear campaign from the left to make fear and anxiety and anger their political campaign. I mean, that's what this all is. You might be thinking to yourself, hold on a second. Where are all of the news stories about Joe Biden on this policy and Joe Biden on that policy? No, that's not the plan. You see, the left, the Democrat Party is trying to make this country as desperate and unlivable, particularly in the cities, as possible. To tell us that we're heading toward a future that is a disaster, that everything is going against us, and to build a savior complex, not around Joe Biden, who is a nincompoop, and we're all very aware of that, but around not Trump. That's all it has to be, a change from Trump. And in a sense... The media, the academy, Hollywood, corporate America, the culture, by and large, has all agreed to hold everyday average Americans hostage. And the only way that we are freed from this hostage situation is if we do what's right by voting Trump out of office. That's the only way that things can ever go back to normal. That's the perception they're trying to create. That's ultimately what this is really all about. That's why you don't see very much talk about 
this issue or that issue? Where are all the deep dives into Biden's past? Or where are all the big pieces on the victories that Biden had in the Obama administration? We're basically in July, folks. July, August, September, October, vote. That's how this is going to go. And as long as they can keep people afraid right now, they view it almost like they're stalling the economy and they're stalling our sense of improvement at the at, at the the starting line, if you will, of the race. They're trying to hold us back so that no matter what happens in a few weeks, they will have done the necessary damage to our psyche, to our economy and to our freedom to prevent Trump from getting reelected this fall. That's the plan. That's why all this is happening. When you look at the data about different states now that are having spikes in cases of COVID-19, and now there's all this focus again on masking. Oh, just wear a mask, wear a mask. Ask someone in the medical profession, what, what is the percentage of protection you get? Uh, wearing a mask in a room with somebody who has COVID-19 versus not wearing a mask uh, how much of an improvement does it make in your in your defense against the disease? You know what the answers you'll get? They don't know. They don't know. And I, and I would ask you this. If mask wearing was highly effective, if it was highly effective in preventing the transmission of this disease, then why is it that people who have been in situations where they were constantly masked still get the disease? You know, we don't have answers to this. You know, Cuomo is out there today and he's just a he's a, a nightmare because he has the worst record as governor of New York, the worst record of any state on COVID-19. And he's out there saying, well, wear a mask. Don't refuse to wear a mask. The smart people looking at the data wear masks. Really? You know that mask compliance, according to the polling and the data that we have in the EU, Mass compliance in some of the states that have had the lowest per capita death rate from COVID-19, Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland. Mass compliance is very low, meaning that people aren't wearing masks. I don't have answers as to why, you know, they're not getting worse hit by the disease other than to say they're not wearing masks and they're okay. Relatively speaking, this disease is going to be everywhere. It already is everywhere. But how badly... Does it hit a certain population? How badly does it spread? There are the comorbidities that you have to look at. You know, people keep pointing to Japan. Do you know what our look obesity as a as a health issue is directly tied to fatalities from covid-19? This is known. And the United States has a 10x the obesity rate of Japan, for example, which has had very, very few deaths from covid-19. You know, there are all these different factors that go into the response and to what we're what we should be doing. But instead, this gets politicized right away. This gets turned into, well, you know, it's, it's like we're going back to the beginning of this when we didn't know anything. Hospitals are not being overwhelmed. There has not been a single case that you can point to of a person who has died from COVID-19 because there was no medical care in this country. There was no medical care uh, care available. There was no capacity. I'm not saying people haven't stayed home who should have gotten care. That's a different issue. Hasn't happened once. But now we're going to go back into lockdowns. I just spoke to a, a guy this morning who runs a gym and he said, you know, in New York, we're not even we're not we were going to be in phase three for gyms. And then we're going to be in phase four. Now we're in phase maybe never. Based on what? Well, what is the purpose of this? So you can be in a room, you can be in an office now, but you can't be in a gym where you can control how many people are in at any one time. 
How many high-risk people are really going in to throw weights around? I know there are some people in their 60s who still like to deadlift and bench and all that, but, you know, can't, can't we try to control for the risk of what's actually there instead of just telling everybody, no, you can't, you no more gyms. Even private gyms, not just gyms that are open in the public, private gyms cannot open. So unless it's just yours and you're an individual, if, it, if it, there's any access to the outside, this is madness. No one can really think that this is a good plan or a good idea until you look at the politics of it. And then it all starts to come together. It all starts to make sense. If mask wearing was really effective, then we could just let everybody go back and do what they want to do, but wear masks, right? But we know that there would still be transmission of this disease. In fact, the data, if you want to look at it, tells you that hand washing is actually much more important than mask wearing, but we don't have a way of virtue signaling when it comes to hand washing people can't walk around my hands are clean i washed them so that hasn't taken off in quite the same way mask wearing outdoors is dumb mask wearing indoors tbd data still have to look at it and for people that are at really high risk i guess you do what you got to do you do what you can but for the general population this is this is absurd but governor cuomo is out there saying wear masks mark play clip one the White House has been in denial on virus from the get-go, uh, and the federal response has just been wrong. That's not a political statement. If you look at the facts, that's exactly what it says. You have coronavirus increasing in 32 states across the nation. The rate of increase is only getting worse. Uh, and a number of excuses have been made for this over the past weeks to further the denial. First, uh, they said, well, it's because they're doing more testing, and that's why the number of infections are going up. Not true, because the number of hospitalizations are also going up. The White House has been saying reopen fast because that's good for the economy. And we have to get the economy going. Yes, we have to get the economy going. But reopening fast was not good for the economy. What is Cuomo's plan? Does anyone in the realm of journalism want to pretend that they actually care more about their country than their political party for a second and ask him, so what's the plan? We lock down until there are no cases? We're going to be a lockdown forever. These morons who think that they have the answer to this never tell us what we're actually trying to accomplish. Lockdowns are not going to defeat the virus in America. It will destroy the American economy and it will ruin lives. And the cost of lockdown, we've already been through this. The cost to health and to lives from doing this is incalculable. But we all agree it's immense. Dr. Fauci himself says lockdowns cannot continue indefinitely. It is a bad idea. So what are we doing? Just keep dragging it out. Keep dragging it out. Keep dragging it out cowardice cowardice and craven politics that's what's driving this decision making from cuomo oh he's mr big guy with his hospitalizations are going up you know what else is going up when they look at this or rather you know what else is a very important statistic the speed with which people are leaving the hospital most of these hospitalizations that are increasing in arizona and in texas are younger people who are in and out of the hospital in two to three days And part of this is because anybody that has the symptoms of the disease is going into a hospital to get tested. And maybe they are told to stay there for observation for a day or two. But you're seeing a lot of cases. And this is what the data actually says. We will pretend that they care so much about the science. You're seeing a lot of cases where people 
are in for two or three days. It used to be two to three weeks and people weren't even coming off of ventilators once they went on them. They were dying after weeks of fighting for their lives on ventilators. We're not seeing that. There are a number of reasons why. The biggest one is that most of these infections are younger, healthier people. And people who are young and healthy are at an acceptable level of risk from this disease. Even if they get it, they're almost certainly going to be okay. The same way that we accept a certain level of risk from the flu, we accept a certain level of risk to the under 60 population from COVID-19. This disease is worse for people over 60 with comorbidities than flu. That has been established. But for younger people, it's not as bad as the flu, quite honestly, especially when you get down into the ranks of people who are under the age of 20. The flu can kill a 10-year-old. COVID-19 is, is almost no risk to people who are really young. And remember, any num- you can die, believe it or not, you can die from strep throat if it progresses enough. I know that doesn't happen very often, but it could. Right? There are risks from all kinds of health concerns in society. But you see, the plan here, you know, this is a couple things. It's fighting back against the pandemic panic, but it's also understanding why we have to keep returning to the same issues, the same arguments, and why there's no honesty in this, because there are people for whom the Trump presidency is a constant, unacceptable assault on their psyche. They just can't handle it. Remember, remember things that we've been talking about for years here on the show. Trump has psychologically broken the left. He has really caused a mass hysteria. He has caused Democrats to be in the grip of a mental illness. They really think that, oh, my gosh, the country is going to collapse and we're all going to go to war and all these terrible things are going to happen. And now there's this opportunity for them to just plunge all of that angst and rage and and fear and anger all of it into this issue and to blame Trump for it when what we really need is clear-headed thinking about what do we know and what should we do instead of, oh, my gosh, you know, this state is bad, that state is bad. You see this all the time, the way that the media is reporting on this. Cuomo has, look at the record, so to speak, right? I remember when I used to play sports, the ultimate, the ultimate thing to say to somebody who was talking smack on the other team was to say, look at the scoreboard when you were crushing them, if you were crushing them. Okay, look at the record that, say, Florida has versus New York. Governor Cuomo put on a clinic. He's a prominent Democrat who was, of course, being talked about as a possible VP for Biden. That's faded away. He made the worst decisions, and that's not a theory. That is what we see from the results. The worst decisions at the worst time of any major political figure in America And now he's going to blame Trump and say there's a mask mandate. I got an idea for you, Governor Cuomo. Where does this mask mandate power come from? Where is the constitutional right to tell everybody that they have to wear masks? Who's going to enforce that? You're going to start arresting people. You're going to lock them up, take away their freedom because you want them to wear a mask for which there is no conclusive scientific evidence yet. There are studies even that suggest, including published on the CDC website, that there is little to no benefit to mask wearing. And there are plenty of reasons why that is. Your eyes, folks, guess what? Great way to get a disease, unfortunately. So unless you're wearing a mask that is completely fitted so that aerosolized virus can't get in, 
and you have a total seal over your eyes, guess what? But no, they want a federal mandate. That's what this is. Now, they want everyone walking around in masks because that goes right to the psyche of the Democrat Party. You see, the Democrats believe America has been sick for four years. They think that we have already been in the grip of a pandemic. But that pandemic was Trump. This most recent real disease outbreak has become an excuse for them to unleash that part of their psyche that Trump has so damaged such that they think the country is on the brink of collapse. This now becomes the excuse to explain why they've been acting like such maniacs for the last four years. It's all about Trump in their minds. Otherwise, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to just pretend the mass protests on the streets with no social distancing. They wouldn't be able to just wash that away from their memories. No, it's politics. That is what is driving this. Don't let them get away with the hysteria. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Dr. Fauci said this. Uh, CDC head said this. The main driver was the virus came from Europe. And it was the greatest miss by the federal government of all time. China virus, China virus, China virus, China travel ban. Forget the China travel ban. It was in Europe. It came to Europe from China, you moron. And the reason that we don't think of the virus in this country as coming from China quite the same way is because of the ban on travel from China. But, you know, if this is about mitigation and saving as many lives as possible under the circumstances, fewer infected people coming into the country early on in the outbreak is clearly a good thing. And there were a lot of infected people in Wuhan and the rest of China. So what is his point here? This man is a hack and an idiot. But the Democrat Party is all reading from the same sheet of music here. It's BS. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's one of the reasons why we have to make sure we engage the community as we're doing now to get community people to help us, for people to understand that we are doing everything we can to show that it's safe and that it's effective. And it's for the good of them as individuals and in society to take the vaccine. So we have a lot of work to do because, as you well know, we've spoken about this intensively in the past. There is a general anti-science, anti-authority, anti-vaccine feeling among some people in this country. Can we worry about what's going on right now and not have these projections about the anti-science, anti-vaccine people causing the problems? Because we don't have a vaccine yet. And based on the possibility of mutations, we may never really have a perfect vaccine. Coronavirus may be with us in a cyclical, seasonal fashion for a very, very long time. So what exactly are we trying to accomplish with all of this? There seems to be a a, a lack of comprehension here about what it means when younger, healthier people get infected. As long as younger, healthier people are getting past the virus and then have immunity from the virus, which is what the science tells us, the more people who get this, who beat it and who get past it, 
the better off we are as a society because we get closer to herd immunity. So, you know, if you have in an area, you know, 30 or 40 percent of all people under 40 that have already had this and beat it, even though those who are in this or in the society in that area who are at higher risk are still out there and don't have immunity, there is a lesser risk of spread to them because the immune population is larger. So as long as we are taking measures to protect those at higher risk from, you know, from immediate spread, we should not be panicking about people who are at very low risk from this disease contracting them. When I say low risk, most people who are getting it under 40 don't even know they have it. They don't have any symptoms. And it's not like we're saying, oh, my gosh, you know, there's a 50 percent mortality rate. So hopefully, you know, you'll make it through. No, there's a the chance if you're if you're in the low risk age uh, bracket from this of of dying from it or even being severely hospitalized for not in the hospital for a day or two, but being in the hospital for a couple of weeks. The chances, you know, one less than one in a thousand at this point. So what exactly are we supposed to do as a society? What is the plan here? The health experts who were silent for a couple of weeks while it was whose streets are streets. We're protesting injustice, but we're all wearing masks. Really, we think that all of a sudden Minneapolis has a huge spike in cases of people under 40. And no, no one's even raising the possibility over there. Oh, maybe it's from the protests. You know, they can't have it both ways. It can't be this is an urgent public health crisis. Do as we say or else, and then be like, well, but I mean, we really got to have these Marxist protests against police and against law and order on the streets. No, no, they, they gave up the right to do this. I mean, I actually want to just shout expletives at people now who are saying, come on, guys, we all have to do our part when I've seen them for weeks. People with platforms, people on TV at some of the other networks out there. Silent. Silent as the protesters march around, loot, pillage, riot, no social distancing. And not even just at at those kind of, you know, there was a a big pride parade in Chicago. And, you know, pride parade, great. It's a, you know, I I, I have no problem with what the parade is representing. My problem is we're not supposed to have parades, right? This This is the very basic concept that the Democrats are just gaslighting us constantly on. Oh, well, you know, some parades better than others. Don't know what to tell you. Sorry. A mask, a federal mask mandate. Here's, here's the truth of this also. The government can't protect you from this. And they're just taking more control and more of your freedom. We see this, this bargain play out in so many different ways across society and, and have and will for all of our lives. The government can't really protect you from this. And in trying to do so, not only are you not going to be protected, but you are going to be losing so many of the core rights that you have. And we already have been. I'm angry at myself. I feel like, you know, how come we haven't been doing civil disobedience in a protest movement against this? In a, you know, I mean, in New York, it's impossible because I'm surrounded by commies. But, you know, where where is the backlash from the right about the hypocrisy and about the lies here? Where, where is it? Why aren't we hearing about that? No, just, you know, wear your mask, peasant. Stay home, peasant. 
Don't ask too many questions or else Dr. Fauci's going to come for you. You know, has Fauci had any harsh words for the thousands and thousands of protesters? No, of course not. He he wants to be liked by the New York Times. He, you know, I, like I get it. The guy's not a the guy's not a warrior. He's an academic, basically. So he's not into he's not into t- taking the heat. But how many times are they able to be wrong on this before we say enough is enough? What really is the plan? Um, what is the plan when we get past, let's say, when we get to a, a, a level of um, we get to a level of virus that is really, really low? We're going to reopen again. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have more cases. This is what I've been saying all along. This is what everybody who's watching this has been saying. The, the open up chorus has not been claiming, open up, everything's totally fine, no more. No, it's saying we need to open up and learn to live with this thing. That is the argument. So I don't want to hear anymore, oh, but there's more cases. Yes, correct. And there have been cases all throughout this. Wave up, wave down, wave up, wave down, depends on where you are. They have not been able to control it. It is out there. It is in community spread. As long as there are pockets of it in the in the world, never mind just the United States, it's going to come back here. We can't trace this. Think about this. There are there are in, in places like New York, they have barriers to reopening based on whether they can trace individual cases. I've been telling you that's insane. Of course, it's insane. Oh, and they're going to make sure that the tracers don't ask anybody if they were at the protests. Politics, not health, politics. That's what they're doing. It's just, you know, I I feel like we've already had this debate and we've already been through the discussion about, oh, my gosh, we're going to overwhelm hospitals. We're not overwhelming hospitals. The hospitals, they, they keep looking at hospital admissions, not hospital stay duration. Find me the cases where there are major hospital systems where I'm not just saying that they, you know, yeah, may, maybe they'd have to move someone from one place to another to where, where they, but find me a place where you can go into a major metropolitan area of the United States and you say, and, and you're somebody who has a, a severe case of COVID-19 and you cannot get the necessary medical attention. We are, what, five, six months into this pandemic now? And that has never happened. But we still hear, oh, we got to flatten the curve. Flatten the curve for hospital capacity was an excuse to flatten the U.S. economy, to lock us in our homes and to tell us what to do all the time. And also as an outlet for the rage of the anti-Trump left for what were three great years under Trump. And, you know, this year so far, you know, it stinks. Okay, 2020 has been bad. There's no way around that. Bad year for everybody here. Bad year for the world. And yes, the Trump administration. But if we wanted to get better, you know what we have to do? Go on living our lives. All right. They just did this huge buy of remdesivir, which cost over $3,000 of patient, a patient use. Uh, they're looking at some other treatments for this. Doctors I've talked to have said that they're better now. They understand that they really don't want to put people on. Ventilators is an absolute, absolute last resort for this. I mean, there's there's been improvement in the understanding and treatment of this and you already have a large segment of the american population that has beaten this and recovered and so you know we are making our way through this there is 
no template for what the Democrats and just the establishment and the media are trying to force us all to do now. To, to what? Shut down society again. And then the numbers will recede, right? Because if no one's doing it, there'll still be transmissions of this. People will still be getting this. That was happening. At one point when New York still had a pretty high number of new cases, uh, they, they found out that over 60% of people that were coming in could only have received the virus in the home. So, you know, if you're in a household and one person has to go out and get groceries, guess what? Everybody's at risk from the disease if that person gets it. And that's where a lot of the transmission was happening. So unless you're really going to have a lockdown where no one can leave their house, period, full stop, nobody, nobody for two weeks, guess what? It's still going to be out there. And I know you, you, you were, we're all getting tired of it. It's the same argument. It's the same nonsense. But we have not made the psychological shift in America that we do the best we can. We use the health resources that we have in our system and we are reopening. That's it. We have not reopened. That is a lie. We are in a lesser state of lockdown. We are not open. We have not returned to normalcy. I just think we need a, a, a completely a different philosophical approach to this. But we're not going to get there as long as the Democrat Party and the media are incentivized for Americans to be uh, terrified and miserable all the time. We're not going to we're not going to get there while that's happening. And this is what we have to fight back against. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. We must have no stigma, none, about wearing masks when we leave our homes and come near other people. Wearing simple face coverings is not about protecting ourselves. It is about protecting everyone we encounter. In fact, the more we hate the pain and suffering that accompanied the strict stay-home guidelines a few months ago, the happier we should be to take responsible, small steps every day to ensure our country can stay on offense. For how long, Senator McConnell? How long do we do this? Why not wear goggles, too? Goggles would be helpful. There's a reason why when someone's in a true, uh, you know, full medical protective suit, they, their eyes are covered as well. So why not we all, we all wear goggles all the time, goggles and masks? And until this virus is, is officially cured, I guess we have to keep doing that forever. Oh, Buck, there'll be a vaccine. Really? How much damage are you willing to incur to your society before the vaccine comes out? How much are we all supposed to suffer? The morons in charge have no idea what they are doing. And this is bipartisan now. There are a lot of Republicans. You just heard from Mitch McConnell. There's no stigma to wearing a mask. We want to wear a mask. Wear a mask. I don't care. That's great. Look, if I'm sitting in a room indoors with people who are at higher risk or if it's going to make them more comfortable and they want me to wear a mask, fine. I'll wear a mask. I'm not an anti-mask zealot, but a national mask mandate. So if you live in, you know, Bozeman, Montana, and there's like no cases of coronavirus anywhere, but if the cops see you walk into the, you know, the general store without a mask on, they're going to fine you. They're going to arrest you. People think that that's sane. That's crazy. It's crazy. But this is what is being held up as somehow intelligent. This is what is being talked about as what the experts want us to do. And then there's, of course, just more of the nonsense that you'll hear from from Democrats. Here's the lieutenant governor of California, Kunalakis. Play clip seven. 
Well, it is extremely important. And honestly, I was very happy to see Mike Pence is finally putting a mask on and signaling. And, you know, I think that that's probably going to be helpful in places like Texas. And yes, probably in the Central Valley, in parts of our state where you do have um, more people who are listening to the signaling out of Washington, which has been something like, you know, a mask is politicized. If you're in a red state, you reject it. If you're in a blue state, you wear it. This is ridiculous. It's like sunscreen. You wear it to protect yourself. And in this case, of course, you really wear it to protect others and to stop the spread. You've got major European countries that have reopened schools, reopened businesses, Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, where there's where effectively very little mask wearing, if any. Less than half the population regularly wears a mask when they're out in public. Okay, are are they just Trumpers? Is that what we're to be told? They're Trumpers. If it were only that easy. Oh, yeah. Wear a mask. It'll stop the spread. Uh, Clearly, that's not what happened in this country. Okay, I was out for weeks in New York City. You could not find a person anywhere without a mask. Still lots of spread. Still lots of spread. How? Everyone's locked in their homes. If you weren't in your home, you're wearing a mask. But. Now we're told, oh, but there were you know, thousands and thousands of cases all over the place every day, new cases. Does, does anyone ever stop to think this stuff through? The CDC has a study that says influenza mask wearing, for example, does almost nothing. A real peer-reviewed study. So, yeah, maybe one person like doesn't sneeze in your face. They sneeze in the mask and that stops it. But other than that, just breathing into the air, it's in the air. That's what the study suggests. The World Health Organization, our own health authorities told us six months ago, don't wear masks. Now, with no new science to back it up what forever, they are saying wear a mask by federal mandate. Again, if you want to wear a mask, God bless, go for it. Do it all the time. Do it in the shower. Do it in bed. Don't ever do anything without a mask on. Go for it. But you're going to tell me that I have to on pain of what and based on what evidence? What if I just had a COVID test yesterday? Still have to wear a mask today? Still have to do this all the time? Oh, because it makes other people feel more comfortable? I mean, there, there are people who live in my building in New York, and I, I'm being serious, uh, who wear full-on, it looks like hazmat suits, and that's how they go outside every day. I will say this. They look a little bit crazy, but, but, from a science perspective, at least they're taking it, at least they're, they're doing real stuff. Yeah, that will probably protect you. Wearing a little piece of fabric across your mouth, you know, you're pulling it down over your nose. All you have to do is touch something, touch your face. Guess what? Now you got coronavirus. Oh, but if you wear the fabric, it's going to slow the. I look, you know, when when the studies come out that show that I'm wrong, I want to see them. But if really we could stop the pandemic just by wearing masks, don't you think we could just stop that? We would have already stopped this. But don't no one should think for themselves. Listen to the idiots who change their minds every few weeks. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Democrats, you never fail to uh, disappoint. So, so dumb. Trump has disrespected Native communities time and again. This is from an official The Democrats Twitter account. He's attempted to limit their voting rights and blocked critical pandemic relief. 
Now he's holding a rally glorifying white supremacy at Mount Rushmore, a region once sacred to tribal communities. Now they have since deleted that. So now we're, we're going to start to have dictates about what we can and can't do according to the most absurd, ahistorical, and moronic versions of wokeness. This is, what, this is the country we're living in now, folks. And corporations, oh my gosh, everyone is so craven. You know, we have about less than 1% of this country actually fights in all of our wars, is trying to keep America free by signing up to, if, if necessary, give their life for their country. And what you see is that pretty much the rest of the country is overrun by people who are like, oh, I don't want to get any heat for my position. I, what, I want, what if my stock options don't vest? That, that's who's actually determining national policy now. Ugh. I've got a second home, a third home to pay off. I need to be able to take a helicopter to work. Come on. I don't want to. You know, I'm, the, I'm on the board of this company. I don't want any problems. Sure, I'll listen to these morons. Sure, I'll do whatever the woke left says. It's, it's, uh, it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging. You, you would think that just a basic sense of patriotism. I'm not, look, I'm not talking about you. If you run a small business and you think that you're going to get shut down, I don't, I don't want anyone going hungry because they're making a point that may honestly get just overwhelmed, may get lost in the noise about wokeness. Pick your battles, as I've always said. But for people who have a tremendous amount of influence and wealth, really what this is about is status and what's easiest for them. And they don't really want to take the heat. They don't want to be leading a movement to say, I don't care if you guys try to boycott me. People are still going to buy this product. They're still going to watch this show. And we stand behind the right to disagree because we don't want to live in a country where you can't disagree. How about just one corporate leader? How about one billionaire or multimillionaire who's never going to have to worry about paying the bills or putting food on the table, standing up and saying, I'm sick of this crap. Now, I know some of you are going to say, Buck, Elon Musk. There are, there are some people who are kind of saying this stuff, kind of saying this stuff. But nonetheless, here we are. We are at a point where jokes that were made, there were jokes made about how, what are they going to do, come for Mount Rushmore next? And turns out they will. What are they going to do? Tear down statues or desecrate statues of George Washington? Yep, just happened here in New York City. Washington Square Park, named for the man himself, a place I've spent countless uh, days and, and, and afternoons, evenings. Uh, one of my favorite places, actually, in New York City. It's just always an interesting, always an interesting scene down there. That's, that's putting it mildly. Uh, they threw red paint on... A statue of Washington. Now, I, I assume they might be able to clean it in some way. You know, they haven't they didn't take a chisel to it and ruin it. But the point is, this is a desecration. It's vandalism. Someone's going to have to someone's going to have to clean that up. You're stealing money from the public here by making this now a, a job that someone has to have to clean up the desecration of the statue. And yeah, now they're coming for George Washington. Notice that they never they never put up. Who, who do they want to celebrate? I, I think because most of their answers people would laugh at. I mean, who, we're going to have statues of Jimmy Carter everywhere. Is that the plan? Who, who are we allowed to celebrate? That's that's the question the left never never answers because it's just so much easier to destroy. It's so much more fun to be in a position on on perpetual offense because you're perpetually aggrieved because you're always angry about something. 
All you do is complain. You don't build. You don't make things better. You just complain. Take no responsibility. This is really now the the organizing principle between much of the for much of the Democrat left. It's not about making things better. It's not about making our society a happier, healthier place where people are free and people can pursue their destiny. It's people are mad and they want someone to blame. People are angry. You know, I'm just going to say it. When you see these. You see these mugshots of the Antifa folks that they're picking up and, and now some of the people that they're going after with the statues. They don't look like a lot of winners. I'm just they don't look like winners. Can we just be a little honest about this for a second? I think these are people that need a lot of need a lot of therapy and did not have particularly you know, strong father figures. These Antifa movements, they got people with a lot of problems. You just see this. I mean, how else could you could you imagine being so disrespectful to not just cops, but just to a person you don't even know, as we see in all these videos, running up, yelling in their faces, saying horrible things, their family should be ashamed. They've forgotten that every day in every city in the country and every really every county in the country, the cops will get a call from someone. And in some cases, they'll get thousands and thousands of these calls. Right. But the cops get calls from people who are terrified who have no one else to go to, and they go to our law enforcement officers. And 99.9 times out of, a, out of 100, the cops are professional, the cops do their jobs, the cops make things better. If we're going to tear down society because of what 0.1% of interactions or cops or whatever do, we're going to be in a perpetual state of anarchy, despair, and destruction. All right, this is completely lacking in context. It also skips past so many of the much more prominent problems that we have that we really could work to address, but those are off limits to talk about. Family structure, off limits, can't talk about it, not allowed. Attitudes about school, about police and respecting police, not allowed to talk about that. Off limits. Okay. Well, we can keep having more of what we have right now. Angry people demanding things that won't fix the things that they claim made them angry in the first place. And what we see from Antifa in particular, the group that the left pretends doesn't exist, but we all know it very clearly does exist. Um, What we see from Antifa is that they have become useful to the Democrat Party for getting attention, for scaring people. They are a wing of the DNC. And that's why the media won't touch them. Otherwise, what could be more obvious than as a society condemning these morons? No, there are people that uh, that, that praise them as heroes. There are people that are saying that what they're doing is, you know, good. I mean, Cuomo himself and other people have compared them on CNN to the founding fathers. Sorry. I have to specify which Cuomo. The Cuomo brothers have really become uh, among the worst offenders of virtue signaling BS crap in this period of riots and pandemic. I mean, they're they're just awful, awful. No, no honesty, no integrity. And they're both more famous and more more influential than they've ever been. Which then brings me to uh, how, how crazy are the libs really right now? I, I just had to share this with you. This was Amazing. You have Paul Krugman, uh, who shared out. And Paul Krugman is a celebrated figure on the left. 
he's someone he's a he's an intellectual that the left holds up as a person. His his political analysis is childish. Does not very smart, not very wise, but he's good at at complicated economic models. I, you know, I, what exactly does Paul Krugman bring to the world? Teaches economics at Princeton University. Another place that's been churning out deeply unimpressive, but think they're very impressive people for many decades now. Uh, Paul Krugman says, and then, by the way, that's true of all elite schools. I'm not just picking on Princeton. You know, pretty much when I meet someone who says they went to an Ivy League school now, I just, just I said, OK, well, it's 50 50 that you're smart. It's 50 50, which maybe is a little higher than the general. And I mean, like, you know, impressive, academically impressive. But it's 50 50. Did you get into school because mommy and daddy went there? Did you get into school because you're a recruited athlete? Did you get into the school because you're a preferred underrepresented category? None of those have to do with academic excellence. None of them. So there, and, that, and by the way, when you cover those three categories at a lot of schools, it's like more than half the class. It's like 60, 70% of the class. But I digress. Um, Paul Krugman, in response to this piece, surge begins reaching older, more, more vulnerable Floridians from Bloomberg. Paul Krugman writes, reality is coming for white supremacists driving golf carts. What, what? What did this, this little sick maniac say? We've got a lot of seniors, Democrats and Republicans, not that that matters to any normal, sane person. A lot of seniors in Florida who, yeah, are at risk. We are in a pandemic. I mean, this is really bad for older people. It is scary. I get that. But we also need to have policies in place that recognize who is really at risk and who this is frightening for and who is being used as a as a political tool. Paul Krugman says reality is coming for white supremacists driving golf carts. He thinks that's funny. He thinks that people's moms and dads who might get this might get COVID-19 and die or people's grandma and grandpa get COVID-19 and die. They're they're white supremacists now. These are just people who live in Florida. The articles about about seniors living in Florida. I mean, Paul Krugman is a disgusting moron. These leftist libs are a disgrace. I, I don't just disagree with them. I don't think they're wrong on some stuff. These are bad people. These are immoral, vicious, insecure, sanctimonious people. But, you know, that describes a big chunk of the Democrat Party these days. Unfortunately, that mentality and that approach to politics really describes a big piece of the Democrat Party. Certainly the vanguard, the intellectual elite, they're not impressing anybody with their wisdom and their knowledge. They're shouting people down and doing ad hominem attacks of the most base and ridiculous kind. And then they celebrate things like this because, yeah, hashtag own Trump, hashtag orange man bad. Paul Krugman says reality is coming for white supremacists driving golf carts in Florida. Because one person on one video tried to mock protesters by very foolishly yelling white power. He was trying to say it sarcastically, but it was a dumb thing to say. That's one person. There are hundreds of thousands of seniors in Florida of all ethnicities and political persuasions who are at risk from COVID-19. And Paul Krugman's making jokes about it. You think he's going to get fired from his job in the New York Times for that? No, no. My friends, where is our national courage? Not just to speak the truth on these issues, but to take the fight to the enemy. I keep saying, when are we going to be wartime conservatives? When are we going to take action? And I'm also going to keep saying this. Where is President Trump on this stuff? Where's the fire in the belly? 
I haven't seen it yet. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Just another thing on the coronavirus debate. I know I'm, I'm hitting it hard today, and I want to get into some other topics. We have discussed a little bit about wokeness, but, you know, there, there's this is the political race right now. So you can think about it this way. Whenever I'm talking to you about COVID-19 or about the woke mobs in the streets and the statue toppling and all this stuff, uh, that is the Democrats' elect Biden effort because Joe Biden is a joke and has nothing to offer American society himself. He's an empty vessel for the Democrat left to exploit once he fools enough people who aren't paying attention to what's really happening in this country into voting for him this fall. So think of it that way. It's almost it's a twofer. I mean, talk about covid or to talk about the wokeness. That's the Biden 2020 election campaign. That's what the Democrats and the left are running right now. But on the reopening schools point, you know, the American Association of Pediatrics, it's something like that. I, I might be getting the name of the group somewhat. It's but basically the big association about pediatricians in America has has put out a statement that got very little media play saying we got to reopen schools this fall. OK, everyone needs to be back in school. We're, we're not going to reopen schools. This distance learning thing. Kids need interaction with other kids. They need socialization. They need interaction with teachers for a lot of kids being in school and i would just note this you know the people said oh the and this is a terrible situation but there are a lot of morons out there in the media who can't figure this stuff out so i've got to talk about it they say well child abuse actually has gone down by the numbers people who say that really are i you know i I just don't think that they have an iq above that of a handbag or a toaster the reason that a lot of child abuse is found is from teachers who are mandated to report if they see signs of child abuse when a kid comes into school. That's not happening anymore. You think that child abuse, while people have been locked at home, without that, without that additional layer of um, possible protection and assistance, you think it's gotten worse? Of course it's gotten much worse. For a lot of kids, their food security that they get fed every day is tied to being able to go to school. We're not going to open schools. You got over over half of teachers in the K through 12 system nationwide are under the age of 40, which means that they're not going to be in the classroom, even though they're at less risk from this disease than they are from seasonal flu. It's true for people in the younger age categories, right? Then 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 at least other flus have been in recent years. Just make it about H1N1. Did we shut down all the schools for H1N1? No. A lot of people died from that. And younger people certainly died from it. Why aren't we opening schools? It's hard to see this as anything other than just a fight against normalcy and a fight against things getting better from people who don't want them to get better. They just find a way to blame all of this on President Trump and their entire identity, their sense of worth is tied up in their spoon-fed Democrat politics. And if that means kids don't get, don't, uh, get to stay in school this fall or go to school this fall, as long as Trump loses, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. They, they just simply don't care. It doesn't make any difference to them. But the kids are going to suffer. The science is in on this. Children are at completely tolerable risk from COVID-19. It is almost zero. Kids need to be back in school. Why aren't we opening up all the schools? Oh, because the teachers are afraid? Well, 
teachers that are legitimately afraid can do distance learning, but a lot of other teachers should be able to go in and should be told, you're really going to be okay. If you're 35 years old and you teach sixth grade social studies, you're going to be okay. Because, you know, kids are very unlikely to transmit the disease to adults. They don't know why this is, but they know that's the case. No one pays attention to the science, though, on this. It's, it's all been so politicized. This is the presidential election playing out. What happens with COVID is the presidential election. What happens with these statue-toppling lunatics will determine who the next president of the United States is. It's not about who has a better vision for the future. It's not about, you know, the, the, the record that, these, uh, that Trump has now versus the record that Biden has. We will determine who will be the next president of the United States based upon how these issues play out right now. Unless, you know, I don't know, we go to war with Iran in the next 30 days. But I think that's unlikely because Mustache Bolton's no longer the national security advisor. So we're in better shape on that front. Oh, we got another another all in on wokeness situation here. Oh, boy. We got a couple of them, actually. The NBA and also some new uh, a new think piece in Time magazine on superheroes. The superheroes are going to get the woke treatment. I will uh, have to dig into this with you. I'm this and this NBA decision uh, professional sports are, are really they're just going to destroy themselves unless they stop doing this nonsense. But they're not going to stop. They're not going to stop. They're going to become as politicized as the faculty lounge at Oberlin College. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. NBA may allow players to wear social justice messages on their jerseys. This was the piece in the Washington Post yesterday. Let me give you some of the details, and then we will we will dive into this one together. The NBA uh, season, compressed out of necessity because of the novel coronavirus pandemic, is going to look a lot different possibly right down to the jerseys the players wear when it resumes next month outside Orlando. The Players Union and the league are in talks about allowing a player to use the shirt on his back to send a message that he cares deeply about, whether it's social justice or a charity, ESPN reported. It would be a logical extension of last week's agreement in which the NBA and the National Basketball Players Association agreed to continue to discuss how they could best use their platform to fight systemic racism. We're just trying to continue to shed light on different social justice issues that guys around our league continue to talk about day in and day out. Chris Paul, president of the NBPA and a guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, said, people are saying that social justice will be off everybody's mind in Orlando. With these jerseys, it doesn't go away. Yeah, but I think your audience may go away, or at least a portion of it. I know I will definitely not watch if I see a bunch of professional athletes getting paid millions of dollars, treated like heroes by society, elevated to the status of of superstars, and then turn around and tell the country how racist it is with, you know, I don't know what they're going to possibly have on the backs of their jerseys, but, you know, I can't breathe or, you know cops are racist or just black lives matter or whatever it may be people watch sports to get away from all of that people watch sports for the narrative the excellence the drama the excitement they're not watching sports to get a political lesson 
Okay, that's just the truth. And, you know, look, this is where I I think the market will have to speak because um, and whenever I talk about corporate America bending the knee to wokeness, this is another perfect example of that. Oh, does does anyone think this is really going to be good for league viewing? Does anyone think this is going to be and a league that's struggling right now because it's been off the air? So they clearly need money, right? They clearly need to get this up and running again. Does anyone think that this will improve viewership? I think the answer is quite clearly no. For individual players, it may enhance their brand. We've seen this with Colin Kaepernick, who was based on everything I've been told by uh, people that actually pay very close attention to football, essentially at the end of his uh, productive, most productive years in the NFL and managed to turn himself into a, a civil rights icon. So there's that. Uh, so there will be players that do this. It, it's going to be some of the usual players that have had very loud voices in the past. I mean, you know, LeBron James is someone who uh, will not bend the knee to, you know, or rather, rather will bend the knee to China. You know, that's a place where, you know, you don't want that. That's whoa, whoa, hold on. Let's not stand up for freedom when it comes to China, but is perfectly happy to lecture America and Americans about the uh, circumstances of systemic racism in this country. I mean, this is a guy who has been treated like a superhero since he was, what, 14 or 15 years old. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He has incredible influence. Everywhere he goes, people just want to see him, talk to him, you know, get a high five, think he's amazing. And... He really doesn't have anything kind to say about America, does he? No, it's it's always more about systemic racism. And what are we told about systemic racism? That it's really that the problem it has to do with the cops. That's where the systemic racism really is. Hmm. Okay. Um, how do they suggest that we deal with that? Fewer cops on the streets. We know how that ends. It's already happening now. It means more uh, more minorities will be killed in high crime neighborhoods. So they're doing a, you know, the the rich millionaires of the NBA really doing a great job helping out people left behind in in rough neighborhoods. But you won't hear much talk about that, will you? Nope, you will not. Uh, And uh, just never mind in in all neighborhoods. Crime spreads when there's a crime wave. It's not just limited to any one part of a city. It'll get worse everywhere. It's a question of how much worse it gets and where you see the biggest spike. Um, So here we're being told that, yes, the Washington Post is reporting that Black Lives Matter or I Can't Breathe messages will be sent when the season resumes July 30th. Uh, An extension of the activism NBA players have long shown when it comes to social injustice and police brutality. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade and the Miami Heat posed in hoodies after Trayvon Martin was killed in Florida in uh, 2012. Um, Okay. Well, we know what actually happened uh, with Trayvon Martin. He uh, attacked somebody and was smashing his head into the sidewalk. Now, the guy he attacked is a weirdo who thought he was some kind of like, you know, neighborhood super cop or something. Wasn't a cop at all. Uh, But, you know, if you're smashing someone's head against the sidewalk and they have a gun, they're probably going to use it. How George Zimmerman, who, according to left wing media rules, was a white Hispanic, which was fascinating because under other circumstances, he would just be described as Hispanic. Uh, But George Zimmerman, who is as Hispanic 
as Colin Kaepernick is African-American by background, right? These are just facts. George Zimmerman was classified as a white Hispanic and somehow became a stand-in for cops. And when the facts came out about this and they did an investigation and they showed the abrasions on Zimmerman's head, a guy got into a fight with another guy and one guy was bashing his head against the, the sidewalk or in the concrete, and the guy who was getting his head bashed in pulled the gun and shot him. Well, what does that tell us about systemic racism exactly? I, I, I don't know. To this day, I still wonder, where's the, what's the systemic racism? A black guy and Hispanic guy get into a fight, and the Hispanic guy has a gun, pulls it, and shoots him while he's getting his head pounded in. I'm, I'm missing the this-is-a-racism incident, but remember, the media constructed one, constructed a racist narrative out of this, There was a reporter, I believe she worked for NBC, who doctored the audio that they aired so that it sounded like Zimmerman said something racist when he hadn't said anything. But they just edited edited the audio. And this isn't a theory. This isn't something that just do a Google search. You'll see. Why would why would the liberal media lie about the incident? Why? Why create facts that aren't there? Why fabricate them? Because they like this narrative. They like the narrative of, oh, And the photos of young Trayvon that we were all constantly showed, he was like 11 years old or something. When in reality, the Trayvon Martin that George Zimmerman was fighting was uh, 18 years old, a legal adult in every in every state in the United States and was like six feet tall and weighed about 170 pounds. But but let's all only see a photo of him when he's 12. That was the media's. How can anyone see that as anything other than dishonest? Same thing with Mike Brown. Hands up, don't shoot. Hands up, don't shoot is a lie. But remember, Trayvon was killed for his hoodie, a lie. Mike Brown was killed with hands up, don't shoot, a lie. I don't think these things are lies. This is what the investigations of these, including by Eric Holder, the African-American attorney general under President Obama, the first African-American president, found about the incident in St. Louis according to numerous eyewitnesses. But is there ever a, an accounting for this? Do, do they ever take a step back and say, you know what, we're sorry that we spread all these lies about this and we're trying to put a poison into American society uh, rooted in exaggerated claims of racism and systemic racism and systemic bias and all this stuff? No, they never do. It, it doesn't matter. This serves the Democrat purpose. You see, when people talk about this as as a Marxist movement at its core, it's a very easy way to understand this. Marx is and there's like people have spent their whole lives just studying Marx and the writings of Marx. And and really Karl Marx and and Engels, along with him, are responsible for what has been the most destructive, violent, nihilistic and evil ideology of the last, oh, 160 years or so. So let's remember that Um, they they have caused hundreds of millions, billions of people over time to live in misery, despair and often have their lives ended by people who thought they were doing good stuff for the collective or for the people um, by putting a pistol at the back of somebody's head in a dark cellar somewhere and never letting them see their family again. And that's the last thing they ever hear is that that uh, cocking of the pistol and. Marx used a very powerful tool. We always hear about uh, about how he believed in the rising up and the dictatorship of the proletariat and that the workers of the world would unite and all these things. But Marx really just used class warfare, 
really took the, the separation of different individuals by economic, socioeconomic status, and then took that very basic human feeling of envy and turned a, uh, turned a society inward against each other, right? And used the politics of envy are very powerful. Oh, I, I should have, you know, that guy has a big fancy house down the street. I should have that too. But instead of thinking, what did that person do to get that? Or how can we have more of that throughout all society? Because wealth creation is actually not zero sum. This is one of the great lies the left will tell you. You listening to this right now live a life of greater affluence based on food, the size of your home, the conveniences you have, the medical care you have access to. You live a life of greater affluence than the richest people in the world 150 years ago. And that's you can't even contest this, right? Well, how can you explain that? How, how can people today be like, oh, because wealth is not zero sum. Wealth as we know it, material wealth, uh, the comforts of, of the modern world around us, it's not zero sum. But we're led to believe it is zero sum by Marxists. So what they do is they use this class separation as a form of constant agitation and promise to eliminate these divisions when, as we know, human nature is some people work harder than others, some people are luckier than others, some people have more gifts than other people. That's never going to change. You can have an equal playing field. You can have uniformly enforced rules. You can have contracts. You can have private property. But you can't eliminate inequality. But if you believe that inequality is effectively a religious calling, right, that the elimination of it is the highest achievement that humankind could ever reach, you always have a cause for agitation. And so that's why it's so useful. What When people are talking about how this is a Marxist group, they mean it in economic terms but they also mean they mean it in the sense that race is now being used by a political movement by the left as this source of constant agitation and division among us the same way that you can tell people in a society that even if it were ethnically homogenous well that guy down the street has something better than you or he's happier than you and that gets and if you do this with enough people you can get them angry play on the envy play on their uh on their outrage and fear you can do that in a in a very diverse society which america is by constantly saying this group is oppressing you you are oppressed that group is oppressing you that will never entirely go away and so that's why it's so useless to the rabble rousers of the left and that's where this this marxism comes in it's just now the focus is more on race instead of class as the point of marxist division between all of us that's what they're doing though that's what's happening right now and it will never entirely go away Right. It's just a question of who exploits it, who takes it out of context, who ignores that Americans love each other, want to hang out with each other and see each other as human beings and don't see each other based on their race. Just ignore all of that and make it about race, because you can always find friction and agitation, which helps people to get power. There are people that use this for their own purposes. And that's what's actually happening right now. This is why the Democrats are using it. The Democrats are leveraging this to defeat Trump. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The tens of thousands of Americans protesting the appalling killings of black men and women are calling upon us 
on all of us, not just to say the words Black Lives Matter, but to take a tangible step toward making it true by breaking apart the systems that have stolen countless black lives and denied black Americans opportunity and equal treatment. Being race conscious is not enough. It never was. We must be anti-racists. Straight out of the corporate diversity seminar playbook here from Elizabeth Warren. It's not enough to not be racist. You have to be an anti-racist. How do you become an anti-racist, according to the Democrat Party and according to the left? Do what they say. Sign on for the whole agenda. And so if you're not willing to do that and therefore be an anti-racist, you know what? You know what they're telling you? You might be a little racist. Yeah, you might be a little racist. This is the form of psychological coercion that they use and unfortunately is so effective, whether it's in the corporate boardroom or even people now, you know, sitting around. Not that you can sit around and really have a drink anywhere these days without the fear of being shut down for COVID. Everyone's constantly panicked about it. But I I want to ask Elizabeth Warren how we make this uh, go away. Okay, we have this systemic racism. Um, Nowhere in the law... Nowhere in the law can you point to anything that is discriminatory against black Americans as as the law exists today. And the only racial discrimination that does exist, that is legitimized and that is clear in the law, is in favor of black and other minorities in this country in the form of affirmative action. So can we can we deal in reality or are we going to deal in it? No, no, we're going to deal in something that's not reality. Uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley here saying that that black Americans have have never, ever had equal treatment under the law. Play clip six. Ranking member Jordan uh, earlier was talking about um, equal protection under the law and um, uh, his experience of violations of the uh, First Amendment in the wake of a pandemic. And, you know, uh, the ironic thing is the reason why there is unrest in our streets is because black Americans have never had equal protection under the law. That's why they're in the streets. Uh, in the midst of a pandemic and are being met with more of a police state, uh, which is the very reason why there is an uprising. And the protesters that are on the front lines today um, would have been the Diane Nagans and the John Lewis's and the Dr. King's of uh, the early days of the civil rights movement. What a what a misrepresentation that is on two levels. One, that here you have a sitting member of Congress who says that there's never been equal treatment for black Americans under the law. Okay, if that's true, where is the unequal treatment in the law? Talk to me about it. Show, show it to me. And don't tell me that there is a disparate rate of incarceration because then the next question will be, is there a disparate rate of committing crimes? That's the, next, that's the obvious next question that anybody would ask. I've talked about this in the male-female context too. Men commit many more violent crimes than women. The law is not discriminatory against men when it comes to don't assault people. Then there's also her claim about the protesters today. Really? I don't think that the civil rights heroes of the past thought that tearing down statues of abolitionists even was a good idea. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, they've already come for Washington. The woke left has come for Mount Rushmore. They are finding 
so many of the heroes of America's past, Teddy Roosevelt, uh, unacceptable, not woke enough. But it was really only a matter of time, given the way that this was also affecting the culture, that they would come for uh, even fictional characters. Or they'd come for entertainment that was not woke enough. You've had this series of people in the last couple of weeks who work in the on the entertainment side who voice cartoon characters of the other gender, which I would think that wouldn't that be? Okay? I mean, can't the character identify? Whatever. Who knows? But that's not OK. Can't uh, can't voice a cartoon character of another race. That's not OK. Um, no more cops. The show on TV. No more uh, live PD on TV. That's also unacceptable. So where else? Where else is the woke mob going to turn its uh, its attention and, and, and its urge for cancellation? Well, guess what? Now they're coming after your beloved superheroes. Time magazine has a piece on how we need to. Here we go. We're reexamining how we portray cops on screen. Now it's time to talk about superheroes. That's right. Fictional characters with powers that no human being actually possesses in an operating in an entirely fictionalized universe those characters now have to be seen through the lens of current wokeness and we need to have a rethink about all of this now uh, largely because cops uh that they're they call it cops with capes the cops with capes phenomenon that superheroes are people who step in as super cops when the police themselves fail now, for anybody who is not uh, deeply psychologically damaged by the left's propaganda, this would be a pretty easy thing to understand. Yeah, in, a, in Gotham, for example, with Batman, the reason you need Batman is because the cops aren't able to deal with the overwhelming number of bad guys all throughout the city. Remember, the fictional city. And so Batman comes along, and then people are inspired, and the cops do better, and then... But why is that a good story or why is that a good guy story? Well, if you remember your Batman lore, you know that he lost his mother and father to a what is essentially a, a, a robbery. And they uh, a, a robbery. I'm trying to think armed robbery. Thank you. That was a term I was trying to think of an armed robbery and shoots his mom and dad in front of him because someone's trying to take their take their money and take their jewelry. And what is the point of Batman being successful in Gotham? So that that doesn't happen to other people, because that's a really terrible thing. You know, people um, getting, uh, you know, stopped and frisked. You can say that this is a bad thing. People being murdered outside their own home. That's a terrible thing. So if we're going to look at police actions and going to look at what creates a better, safer society, let's at least understand that not all not all of these uh, different components should be weighed equally, right? Someone's right to not be offended by police presence in their neighborhood is less important than the rights of everyone else around them not to be raped, murdered, bludgeoned, etc. And so the, I mean, the, the cops with capes phenomenon of superheroes appeals to people because we all want justice and we want safety and we want the good guys to win. But here Time Magazine is saying that they, they think we should rethink this. Uh, they obviously go after The Punisher, who, you know, I thought it was a pretty good Netflix series. I actually think the Daredevil series, where The Punisher makes an appearance, is a bit better. 
You know, I like superhero stories. And they do point out in this analysis that there are some very prominent, successful, as a franchise, uh, black superheroes that are, are, have been celebrated in, co- in comic books for a very long time. That, that movie, um, uh, Black Panther, was an, a huge global hit. I'm, I'm somebody who's been a long time uh, fan of the Blade series, the Blade franchise, which Wesley Snipes started back in, I think it was 1998 or so. Uh, and that was a big hit. That was really the first excellent new era superhero movie. When people often forget about this. That was a Marvel comic book hero. You know, you had these old, look, I'm just going to say it. The old Superman movies are kind of nice, but they're, you know, he's wearing like blue pajamas and it, it's a little dated now. You know, the, the effects aren't very good. I, oh yeah, yell at me because you love the, you got a nostalgia for the old superhero movies with Superman. They're not that good. Go back and watch the old Batman movies. And that guy's, basically dancing around in like a wetsuit, you know, he didn't spend a lot of time in the gym, whatever his name is. I'm just going to say it. And he's like the superhero with the blam, pow, bam, wow, you know, all that stuff going on the screen. But it's fun in its day. I used to watch it too. But superhero stuff has gotten a lot better in recent uh, recent years. Although I do think the X-Men franchise kind of spun off the planet and stopped making sense. But that's a whole other thing. So... Now, even superheroes, though, are a problem. And and it's not that I don't think we can have this kind of cultural debate and discussion. It's the why they're problematic. It's the connection between superhero as super cops in the public mind that is bothersome to the woke left now. Uh, And then and then they obviously also get into the uh, who, you know, who are the bad guys? But I'm going to say this in superhero movies. The bad guys are overwhelmingly, uh, you know, like white corporatist guys with weird European accents. I mean, it's really not, you know, the the, the bad guys. And I'm just going to say, you know, you, you watch these movies, they're not singling out any uh, any ethnicity to be the bad guys in superhero movies. If they are, they're singling out like West Germans or something. I mean, you know, th- this is who the bad guys are in superhero. You know, Lex Luthor and, uh, you know, think, think of... Um, in all the Batman, you know, the, the Joker, you know, in all the Batman series, these are not people who are in any way an underrepresented minority that's being uh, picked on or being singled out by superhero movies. But uh, everything, see, everything has to go through the woke scanner. And that's really what this is about. Everything has to be viewed through this this prism now. No one is allowed to escape it. Um, people will be excused, right? If you're on team left wing, if you're on team Democrat and you're important, you just need to you need to bend the knee and you'll be forgiven. But if you're a conservative, you're finished. I mean, I, I do find it fascinating now that uh, we're we're seeing beyond any doubt that Howard Stern, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, their blackface incidents in the 90s will result in zero repercussions and, and nothing. And just remember, Megyn Kelly was fired from NBC for saying that when she was younger, people dressed up in black face uh, or darkened their faces is what she said. If they were doing a like fictional character as a Halloween costume and that wasn't considered a big deal. Uh, Whereas, I mean, the the things that Howard Stern and Jimmy Kimmel did, I, I mean, Look, I'm not I'm not somebody that advocates for going back in time and finding things out of context and looking at things through our our current view of society in the country 
and ruining people based on that. I, I think that's a very dangerous approach to society in general. But I also think that, OK, then we then no one should be put through that. It, it can't be. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. But that's, you know, as as the saying goes, if Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards. Uh, which I think is more true now than it has ever been. Speaking of those of those double standards, uh, Devin Nunes. And I am one of the few people that says his name properly. Devin Nunes is out there and he's making a point about the Democrats that I think we should all remember. And that is if we're going to look at institutions that have a history, a legacy of racism. How is it that the Democrat Party escapes this? Play uh, play clip, whatever the new nine. I find it rather ironic that the Democrats are now destroying their own history. If you look at just just yesterday, Woodrow Wilson, the, the father of the progressive move, movement and the father right. of the, really kind of the modern day Democratic Party in this socialist movement. Uh, you know, his name is now being erased from history. Why? Because he was a racist. Uh, you have the trying to tear down uh, and take out portraits in the U.S. Capitol. The Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, took out the portraits. What she's not saying is, I think, Three of those portraits were actually Democratic speakers. So I understand why the Democrats want to erase history, because they have a very racist history. They were the ones who opposed getting rid of slavery. They opposed the civil rights movement. So so they want to label Republicans with, is, uh, with saying they're racist because, in fact, they're relying about- on these these identity politics to win elections. Everything Devin Nunes said there is true. The Democrat Party was the pro-slavery party. The Democrat Party was the party of Jim Crow. The Democrat Party uh, was the segregationist party in this country. So all the worst periods of actual true systemic racism and that whether we're talking about slavery all the way up to uh, Jim Crow and then the segregation, all of the true racism in this country, uh, systemic racism in this country is directly tied to the Democratic Party and its history. And yet it is the Republican Party that is now cast by the Democrats as constantly uh, being racist. And there's no there's no accounting of this in the in the history that is told. Kids go to school and somehow it it escapes them. This is why I insist on saying that these protesters, these lunatics running and destroying things. We don't just call them protesters or the left. They're Democrats. These are people that are going to go out and vote for Joe Biden. And they're on board for that platform. They're on board for what the Democratic Party believes in. I assure you, if there were mobs of Republicans walking around with MAGA hats destroying things, well, first of all, Democrats would be calling for dropping napalm on them from, you know, F-16s. They would not. They would all all this stuff. about oh, police violence. And that would all be no problem at all for them. Um, But they would also be very clear to make sure that anybody paying attention would know that this was part of the Republican Party. But of course, it's not. It's all part of the Democrat Party. And just another note on the cancellation stuff. We we have seen now in, in a way that is you, you cannot uh, avoid coming to the conclusion that the standards, even as they evolve on who's acceptable in history, the standards will be constantly changing. And where, whereas right now it is about who has a past, whether it's about the founding fathers and connections to slavery all the way up to in the 20th century you know, presidents who said things or, or did things that are considered racially insensitive or, or racially or racist or racially wrong in our current era. Uh, does anyone really think that they're not going to apply the full spectrum of wokeness to our history? 
just give it time. They will decide that anyone who was for the traditional family, marriage between a man and a woman, anyone who was insufficiently uh, favorable to trans rights, they will they will also be uh, a, a subject of erasing. They will also be removed from the historical record and denounced. Uh, so, you know, right now that sounds like a, a joke. But remember, they just threw red paint on George Washington in Washington Square Park. And years ago, we're saying, yeah, they're going to come out for the founding fathers. Oh, no, we won't. Yeah, they did. Give it time. Once they've torn down enough statues of former presidents or, or people from America's past that they find to be colonialist or oppressors or whatever, then they'll come after people who are not woke enough on gender issues. And then they'll come after people who are not woke enough on trans rights. Guaranteed. It's just a question of when. And all this really does for them is give them, one, a sense of self-righteousness that is, of course, priceless to libs, but also a sense of constant control. They can change the rules and attack anyone they want. And what is your defense against this in a society that constantly caves to it? You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. This isn't getting nearly enough attention, I think, as we're talking about what the country should do. People with coronavirus are crossing the U.S.-Mexico border for medical care. Uh, this is from this is from CNN. Chris Van Gorder says he's seeing a telling trend in the hospitals he runs. Coronavirus patients are showing up in emergency rooms after calling 911 from the U.S.-Mexico border. They'll literally come to the border and call an ambulance. This is the president and CEO of Scripps Health in Southern California. The rise in ambulance traffic from the border, which several officials described to CNN, is a symptom of the pandemic spread in the region. Um, there's just not a wall for viruses at the border, according to someone at the, what is the center for, oh yeah, whatever. The wall is an illusion because the two sides are really woven together. Uh, no, actually, what this isn't so funny. CNN immediately says, look, we have coronavirus cases coming over our border. This tells us that we shouldn't have a border. That's the exact wrong thing that this tells us, CNN. But that's a, notice the trick. They report on this and very quickly turn it into a narrative that's more to their liking. The real narrative should be, we're not taking COVID cases into this country from outside of this country. That's been true of cruise ships. That's been true of airlines. It should also be true of our southern border. You know, we're always being told about the possibility of hospitals being overwhelmed, hospital capacity. This has got to be a we take care of the people in this country first situation. All right. We're always hearing about what a great health care system they have in other countries. And, oh, you know, socialism is fantastic in these countries. Yet somehow everyone kind of knows if your life is really on the line, you want to be in America. You want to be in America. Not not a surprise to any of us who try to live in in the real world. Um. But, yeah, you have people coming across the border who have COVID and are calling for ambulances. Remember, nosocomial transmission of this, nosocomial transmission is when people in the hospital give this to other people. That's still one of the main ways that this is passed among people. Intrafamilial and nosocomial are very much uh, at, the, at, the front, at the front end of how people get infected with COVID-19. So putting more and more people in the hospitals, particularly if they have really bad cases, which I'm assuming they do if they come to the border. This is now straining the public health system that we're already told is strained that is supposed to be for Americans. It's not supposed to be foreigners show up here because they want American health care treatment. Now, a lot of people say, oh, that's that's not nice. 
Really? Or I, we're, we're being told that we're going to have hospitals overwhelmed any second. Do any of the libs that would say, oh, we should just take anyone who shows up here from outside of America and, and take them in and give them, give them treatment, would they feel that way if it was their mom or dad who was waiting in the ER to see if there's a hospital and an ICU bed for them while they have COVID-19? Very easy to virtue signal on this one, isn't it? Uh, but here you have a lot of people that are showing up. Now, some of them are U.S. citizens who are coming across the border. Um, but it also goes to show that border controls. Now, so the U.S. citizens who are across the border in Mexico are coming back and saying they have COVID. But it also goes to show you why border controls are so very, very important. Um, so we'll have to see as these numbers continue to play out. Uh, so that's where that's where the situation is right now, my friends. I, I, I've some of you have been pointing this out and saying this. I I'm very curious to see what the number of illegal crossings are. I have not seen that quite yet. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening here. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening. But for now, having a secure border is clearly important, especially given that there are cases that are now coming across the border in the United States and people are bringing in the virus. So, you know, I, I don't know if we're supposed to believe that all illegal immigration has stopped in the country right now. But I'll tell you this. If I were living uh, in northern Mexico and I had COVID-19 and I thought I could get across the U.S. border and remember, ERs have to treat people. They cannot be turned away. I, I, I might make a run for it, too. I might decide that I was going to try to get into a U.S. hospital as well. Is there any data on this? Do we have any numbers? Nope. But I will continue to follow this. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Roll call time, everyone. Don't forget to check in on BuckSexton.com and uh, also our YouTube channel. we got a new video up there that does not exist elsewhere. The Buck Brief, YouTube.com slash BuckSexton. Please watch it, share it. Let's get that thing going. All right. Thomas, first up here, Thomas writes, uh, oh, wait, before we get to this, Producer Mark, do you have a favorite superhero? Ooh, that is uh, tough, but I think I'll say Captain America. Very solid, very yeah. safe choice. I can't, can't hate on that one. I do love Thor also, but Captain has to be my number one. I, mean, I, I do think that uh, I used to be more of a Marvel guy, but I've become more of a DC Comics guy as I've gotten a little bit older. See, the movies are just so... Other than, like, the Dark Knight, the Batman movies, those are amazing and probably the best superhero movies ever. But just the, the Superman movie, the uh, other than Wonder Woman, in the last five years, there has not been a good DC movie. I can't disagree with you. The yeah. Super the Superwoman... Or Wonder Woman, rather. Uh, Wonder Woman movie, right? Isn't that the one? Yeah, Wonder Woman, yes. The Israeli actress. Uh, yes. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget Gal her name. Gadot. Yeah, Gal Gadot. That was a good movie. I enjoyed that. That was very good. Uh, I, I tried to watch the Batman Superman thing, Ugh. and I actually kept getting drawn in because I was like, this is so weird and so boring. I don't understand how this is a movie that got made. I almost walked out of the theater. It was so bad. It's so bad that you sit there. Was it a Zack Snyder one? I think so. And there was a whole controversy that they wouldn't let him release his cut. And now I think it's out on HBO Max. So people are excited about that. But I'm not watching it. I, uh, it was so bad the first time. Yeah, it was it was so bad that it was a curiosity to see 
how to watch it to see how much worse it could actually get. That was kind of that was kind of how I felt about it. So, well, best superhero movie of all time. Oh, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Yeah, easily. Um, all right, all right. I actually am a Batman Begins guy. Really, I, I actually like Batman. I mean, that's Begins. part of the trilogy. I guess you could call it the trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one. that's the best superhero trilogy of all time. Uh, I think the Batman Begins is really good. I do. I always thought Wolverine was probably my favorite superhero character. The Wolverine movies have been a little hit and miss for me. I really uh, from that like X Men world. Deadpool is fantastic. Oh, not would agree for the children. That. But it's fantastic. Yeah, I would agree. The first Deadpool movie was excellent. I really liked that one a lot, too. See, I like superhero movies, but I don't like all of them. I don't like all of them. All right. um, Now that we've heard from producer Mark on that one. Oh, also, do you think that the NHL is going to get pulled into wokeness at all? Because it seems like the NHL, not so woke. See, that's actually been a criticism of um, a lot of people on, on the NHL and the players is the players have no personality and won't speak out on anything. Um, which actually changed a little bit with the George Floyd thing. A lot of the players did come out and put out a statement, you know, how terrible the George Floyd thing was. Um, but that was like the first time maybe ever that a, a hockey player has stood out. So you're not going to be seeing stuff like the NBA is doing in hockey. Hockey is just play the game, you play for your team, you play to win. That's it. That's Hockey players are very simple creatures. I might have to start watching hockey. I'm serious. You know? That's I mean, just, I've been telling you to do it for uh, a long time now. Well, it hasn't. In fairness, the last six months has not been my fault. That's a good point. Yeah, no. but but I will. And I said I'll take you to a game as soon as games are allowed. I didn't think I didn't realize we we're working against the clock, producer Mark. I thought I'd have some time to get you to this hockey game, but turns out, you know, as soon as I as soon as I make the offer to take you and producer Brandon to a hockey game, they shut down all gatherings of like over ten people in the world. Well, the good <laughs> thing is expected. we could probably get season tickets to the Florida Panthers for less than one game at the Garden. Ah, huh. well, there's that too. Huh. All right, Facebook.com/slash Buck Sexton if you want to get in on this action or Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. And don't forget, producer Mark's favorite late night activity is to go through your voicemails eight four four nine hundred two eight two five eight four four. 900 buck. Please do write in. Let us know what you're thinking. Thomas. I'm sorry. Did I say write in? Call in. Call in. Leave us a voicemail. Under 60 seconds. Please. Under 30 even better. But uh, please do call in 844-900-BUCK. That is our voicemail. We will play more on Thursday because we will be off Friday for the holiday. So Thursday will be voicemail day, producer Mark. Darn it. I was hoping you were going to forget. Yeah, I know you were, but you've got homework now. Get excited about it. All right. Thomas, your segment today about the chant Black Lives Matter is an affirmation of the view held by those who chanted, Buck. Huh? It may have been originally said by a relative of a black citizen who died during an altercation with a policeman and then became a social justice theme. In current use during these protests, it has become a rallying cry for racists and has been adopted by many activist groups because it instantly gets media attention. The intimidation factor is openly used now to force silence by those of us who believe all lives matter. This tactic should be used by the pro-choice activists chanting newborn babies matter. Then they can confront the Planned Parenthood crusaders the same way. When questioning a member of the abortion crowd, ask them if newborn babies matter. Well, no, they would say they would say no Um, or unborn babies. They would say no. When they fail to respond, they can be accused of being part of Planned Parenthood uh, who slaughters babies. The social justice snowflakes will freak out. Shields high. Okay, Thomas, covering a lot of ground there. Thank you for writing in. Tommy, 
Buck, do you think Biden will debate Trump? My money says Biden's handlers will find a way to get him out of it. Tommy, I think that they're going to try. I think that they're going to try to get out of it. I do not think that they want Biden to debate Trump. They want this to be the machine, the DNC apparatus, the Democrat left, you know, all the Marxist loons and all the overpaid idiotic TV anchors who are, you know, doing the Democrats bidding against Trump. And Biden is just the vessel for that effort. Biden is not in any way the leader of it. And he's not supposed to be anything other than what he is, which is a a placeholder. So I think that they will try to not have Biden. um, I think they will try to not have Biden as a debater against Trump. But if there's too much of an outcry about it, they might have Biden as a debater against Trump. So we'll see. Paul writes, hey, Buck, Paul from Canada. Um, Fairly new listener since COVID started. Love your show. My daughter was looking over my shoulder at a video of a protest from L.A. and she asked why they were outside and not social distancing. But she isn't allowed to see her friends. I tried to explain what they were protesting and her only response was, but they won't still get sick. Apparently, my nine year old daughter understands the double standard, but many adults can't see it. Oh, Paul, and yeah, your, your daughter is certainly astute to pick up on this, but I would say that adults can see it. They just don't care. They view this as, you know, the, the standard that they have set was always subject to the whims of the Democrat Party and the whims of the mob. So it's not that they're unaware of the fact that they're being frauds and hypocrites on this. It's that they don't care. And that's where the gaslighting comes in. Yeah, sorry. Well, I guess, you know, no big deal, whatever. That's the way that and and they enjoy it, too. I think they like to rub your face in it. Yeah, you've been stuck at home. You can't see family. You can't see friends. You can't go to your job. But we're going to make allowances for the people that want to get out there and scream about how racist and evil America is. Isn't it interesting? And there's so little time spent on this that America hatred from Americans effectively entirely resides within the Democrat Party. If you hate America and you're an American, you're a Democrat. Because if you're a Republican and you hate America, all your Republican friends are like, what's wrong with you? This place is great. So if you're going to hate this country, you better do it or you're going to do it in the Democrat Party, because that's where you have a home and that's where you have a lot of support for that unhinged disdain for the greatest country and the freest country in the history of the world. Also the most powerful and the wealthiest. But, you know, Democrats don't care about that. I mean, they do. They like to be rich. They like their friends to be rich. But then they get to tell all the rest of us, no, we have not done enough to fight against oppression. Uh, and Paul from Canada, man. Eh? Great to have some listeners up, up, up north. It's exciting. Team Buck International. Cynthia, I reactivated reluctantly my Facebook to follow your show. Your podcast keeps me thinking and laughing as I row and work out in the morning. You do the best Fauci imitation ever. Keep being the youthful, sane voice for conservatives. Cynthia, thank you. I appreciate it. I just want to say, if you're going to be on the rowing machine, also for the experts out there known as the erg machine, make sure that you engage your, your, your latissimus dorsi. See, I'm a medical guy, so I'm an expert. Make sure you have the latissimus dorsi muscles and, and you feel a pull, a pinch between your scapular muscles of the back area when you're pulling and you don't do what people do in the bozos on the erg machine where they pull with their arms, not with their back. And first thing is you got to fire those quads 
also for the experts out there, the quadricep muscles, which the data will tell you are very large group of leg muscles. Now I just gave you Fauci explaining how to erg. It's quads, back, lasting to fire are the arms, and the arms are a minor muscle in the process. It's really all quads and lats. That's how you, that's how you do the rowing machine. Make sure you know. I, as somebody who is by no means a workout expert and these days is really just like a Stay puff Marshmallow man, uh, but does know a fair bit about rowing from doing it in college, I've never seen so many people use a piece of exercise equipment wrongly as the rowing machine. And I mean people who are in really good shape, too. They, they, I mean, they look like they're having a back spasm when they're doing it. They have no idea what they're doing. Watch a video of it. Have someone watch you as you do it. Because once you learn that it's a great exercise, but it's actually pretty easy to hurt yourself on that machine if you don't know what you're doing because you're pulling your body at weird angles. So I'm just saying. Just saying. But, Cynthia, I'm sure you know it very well. So thank you for writing in. And I hope Dr. Fauci was able to explain the mitigation to you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. All right. Next up here in Roll Call, John, he writes, I live in College Station, Texas. I'm 23 years old and tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday. I have mild symptoms. The most annoying of them is that I lost my sense of taste. I took a risk assessment for going out and about, enjoying my life and doing what I can to be productive. Thanks for making a show full of content to keep me informed and occupied as I now have to go back into quarantine. Keep fighting the good fight. Well, John, I'm glad to hear you're doing okay, man, and you're doing the right thing. Stay, stay home while you got this. The good news for you is it sounds like you're already, uh, your immune system is, is doing really well against it. You're a young guy. You're at very, very low risk uh, for this disease. And, any, and, and I just mean even for a serious symptoms of it, never mind for anything more than that. And you just want to make sure you don't spread it to anybody who's at high risk. But after this is done, you'll be immune, at least for a period of time. And then you won't have to worry about it again. So that's nice, isn't it? That's that's a good thing. Uh, So, yeah, man. But stay safe. Be smart out there. Take care of yourself. College Station. I actually was just kind of curious. I looked at some real estate in College Station because I was wondering. Because one of you told me to move down there with someone Team Buck. And it's a lovely place. And you get a really nice house for not a whole lot of money. Unlike in New York, where they constantly take all the money in your bank account to put you in, like, a kennel, basically. That's, you know, here's your kennel. That'll be $4,000 a month. You go, ah, stinks. Uh, Andrew, a buck, 99.9% of the country agrees that black lives matter. Only a truly horrible racist would believe otherwise. The fact that the NBA, English Premier League, and everyone else is shoving this down our throats is only going to lead to more division. On top of all that, if all cable news took a one-year hiatus, I can almost guarantee you that race relations in this country would heal very quickly. The media makes money and ratings on us hating each other. Races don't hate each other. But when CNN is constantly calling white people racist and how we are oppressing people, of course minority groups are going to get angry. Just my two cents. Andrew, yeah, I mean, cable news is a source of division and often brainwashing in this country. And I think that, you know, look, I, I obviously I admit this. I like Fox. I don't like all the shows on Fox. I don't like all the hosts on Fox, but I like Fox overall as a channel. I think it does a fair job of showing a center right point of view in the news that it shows. I don't pretend that it's all objective. I don't think that the, the opinion hosts aren't sharing opinions. CNN is delusional. They've got people that are every bit as opinionated as Fox in their primetime lineup, but they say they're journalists. This is a lie. This is my problem with it. 
It's, this is not all equal. This is not all, oh, you know, everyone's doing it. No. There's a, there's a fundamental dishonesty that exists in CNN and ABC and New York Times, Washington Post, all these places that does not exist at Fox, where they say, yeah, we've got these opinion hosts. And yeah, most of the news is coming from a center-right perspective, but that's not the same thing as other places where there's only a left-wing perspective. There is no other perspective. Uh, so then there's Brian who writes, I just wanted to send along my compliments on your very important and impactful radio show. You've stolen me away from a competing host that is not as talented as you are. Oh, well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Is he really mean and quite a bit older and has a very high nasally voice, I wonder? Especially during this ridiculous and frustrating lockdown, I find you to be a fellow traveler on a journey we don't want to be on but have no choice. Keep up the great work. I am really enjoying the show. You have a talent for articulating what many of us are thinking but don't have the powerful medium you do. I'm sure it's an awesome responsibility, but you are certainly living up to it. Well, Brian, thank you so much. And uh, look, I, hey, I think that anybody on the time that I'm on, because when, when the podcast goes up or when my radio show goes up, Rush Limbaugh's show is already done. So you've already had your chance. You've already had Rush time. OK, I think, you, you know, other than once that's done, I think you should be listening to this show before any other show. I'm just going to say it. I obviously believe that. This show, you can listen to Rush. That's fine, because our podcast goes up at three. Rush is the greatest of all time. Once Rush's, once Rush's show is no longer on the air, though, I mean, I think you got to listen to this show, folks. Just going to say it. And I know, the, I know the other folks out there. Some of them I like. Some of them are horrible human beings. Depends. But, uh, yeah, I think you should be listening to this one. I'm not, I'm not, not shy about that either. Um, Brian, oh, no, he already said nice things. Robert, Buck, dear Buck. Oh, well, thank you, Robert. Not just a buck, a deer buck. Appreciate that. A few things. The WAPO fact check story reminds me of a few years ago when Trump was fact checked about a statement that something to the effect of 40 percent of female illegal immigrants were raped on the journey. The objection being the number was really 45 percent. I don't really recall that fact check, Robert, but I'll take your word for it. Number two, I think you should consider running for mayor of New York when de Blasio's term is up. It would be nice to have an articulate conservative get some airtime and expose the stupidity of leftist policies. You probably wouldn't win, but William F. Buckley did it. I think it would be worth doing, and you'd get some uh, more national exposure. Uh, Yeah. Robert, thank you for that. And then number three, Amherst is a very good school. I didn't even bother applying because I knew I wouldn't get in. Don't disparage your education. (laughs) Oh, that's very nice of you, Robert. That's a pretty good place. Uh, enjoy your podcast. Keep up the good work. Robert, uh, some excellent insights coming, coming to us here from you. So thank you for that. No, look, there were some, I, I made some great friends at Amherst and there were, there were plenty of brilliant, there were really some brilliant kids in my class. Uh, some very, very senior people I know in the DOJ now under the Trump administration went to Amherst and their top minds. So yeah, there's, there's a very, but you know, we also had a fair amount of, you know, Hey, I play football and I crack things on my head. And I was like, how did these guys get in? But football so we know how that goes that's going to be it today team thank you so much for uh, being here appreciate it as always until next time shields high